Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Design, Create, Inspire with me, Bryn Young. I'm an architect and entrepreneur with a background in interior design and small business management. I have been running a successful award-winning architecture firm for over six years, and I'm here to discuss all things design and business. There are over 1 million podcasts to choose from, so thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I hope to bring you value with every episode I create, so let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Design, Create, Inspire. Today, I'm excited because I have on with me Stephanie Zalowski, and I'll have her tell you a little bit more about herself, but she's a real estate agent here in San Diego, and I actually originally had her on to talk about real estate, the market, that whole thing, design, trends, Um, but we ended up talking more about like business and how she got started and basically like what it's like to be an entrepreneur and also how to pivot if maybe you're in a time of life that you aren't loving and you want to do something different, like maybe become a real estate agent. So she has such great insight and I hope you enjoy. I know you will. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Today, I have Stephanie Zalowski with me. Stephanie started her career in the banking and mortgage loan industry, but after she moved to San Diego in 2013, she realized she wanted to work for herself. So she combined her love for real estate and design, plus her energy and passion to become a real estate agent. Now she enjoys helping people find the home of their dreams throughout San Diego. And I wanted to bring Stephanie on today first because I was looking for a real estate agent, and that's kind of why I reached out to you, which, hello, sorry. Hello. (laughs) Hi, everyone. So I brought you on originally because I wanted to talk real estate because, you know, real estate, architecture, kind of all in the same realm. But the more and more I was reading about you and your story, I really loved just your, your story about pivoting, going into real estate, and also, um, like, moving on and doing it yourself. And I feel like sometimes that can be really paralyzing or intimidating, not know what Mm -hmm. to do. So I kind of want to maybe focus a little bit on that today. Um, So maybe you can just start with telling us a little bit about your story. Of course. So um, thank you again for having me. Super stoked to be here. Um, Yeah, you know, I uh, grew up in Arizona, um, graduated from Arizona State. And at that point um, in 2007, as we know, the Great Recession hit. 
Uh, and so I stayed with Bank of America at the time and I uh, was working foreclosures and, you know, I wasn't foreclosing on anyone, thank goodness, but um, I was definitely reselling those properties and, you know, it was quote unquote, the cube life. Right. And I just, I was like, I got to get out of here. Like I, this isn't, this isn't what I want to do. And I always know I wanted to live by the water. I'm a Pisces, which people are going to laugh at that, but I don't really <laughs> pay attention how much, but I'm for sure a water baby. And I just knew I needed to live by the beach. And, um, I've been coming visiting here. I have an aunt and uncle that live in Solana beach and, you know, I'd been coming here since I was two and I just looked for a job for a good year and finally found one, uh, landed one in Carlsbad, um, and moved out here, packed my bags and off I went. And, you know, the, the first couple of years it was tough, right? Like I was 29, almost 30. Um, and it, it, it was hard not knowing anyone. I'm, I'm one state away from home. Right. But it was difficult. There were some challenges for sure. Um, and then some things happened, um, a couple of years later and, you know, I just kind of thought, gosh, like, what do I really want to do? You know, I had, I was on my second marketing job at that point. When I moved here, I, I started working for a marketing department and with a dental company. And I was on my second one at that point. And I just thought, you know, there has to be more to life than this. And I always thought growing up, um, a, that I would probably live somewhere else and B that, you know, I always kind of thought I'd work for myself and I wanted to work for myself, but I never knew what that looked like. And I didn't really want to do marketing once I was in it full time. I didn't really know what kind of business I would start. Um, and as luck would have it, a friend of the family was working for Sotheby's. So I sent her a text and I said, Hey, you know, could we meet for, you know, coffee and just kind of go over, I'm interested basically in getting my license. And she's like, well, how about a margarita? And I was like, sold. So we went, yep, yep, yep. So we went and did that. And she looked me square in the face and said, get your license, get it now. And, you know, I knew that this would be challenging, right? I knew. And I think with the day that I called my parents and told them I'm quitting my job, they were like, okay. Because I think they also knew that a hundred percent commission mind you, this isn't like a regular sales job where if you hit your goal every month, you'll get your paycheck, right? I mean, you could go months at a time, depending on the market and depending on, especially in the beginning, you know, if, if you don't really know what you're doing, I mean, you could go months without a paycheck. So, um, you know, I, I did a lot of research. I quit my job, started with Sotheby's full time, took as, as many, uh, what's the word? Like took as many opportunities as I could to actually go to conferences talk to top agents. I asked them out for coffee. I, I knew what I didn't know and I didn't know what I was doing. So I knew that I needed to like truly figure out what was the best way. Um, and another funny thing, Ryan Serhant from million dollar listing, New York, uh, was in town doing a, uh, like a talk somewhere and he was doing like a quick meet and greet. And I took a photo with him and I looked at him and I said, I know there's a really long line, but if you could do anything over, what would you do? And he said, join a team. Don't go at it alone. And he smiled and off I went. And so from that point forward, that was like six months in, I immediately started looking for a team. Um, I'm now on the Brett Dickinson team uh, with Sotheby's and um, Brett has been an amazing mentor and he's a partner and, you know, it's, it's, and that's where I ultimately met Cameron. Um, and so it's just, it's one of those, those things that I knew there was no plan B, there was only plan A, right? And I think when, when you know something like that and it's all you can think about, and you'll hear this on other entrepreneurial podcasts where, you know, they say, you know, if it's, if it's all you can think about, you, you need to go for it. Right. And so I did, and I, and I knew it would be challenging. Some days I don't think I knew how challenging it would be. Um, but I really think when things in life just happen easily and quickly, 
you know, that's one thing my parents always told me is like, don't force it. Right. And there's like a funny meme on Instagram. It's like, don't force a ponytail, a boyfriend, whatever. Right. Like if it just happens, it happens. And so that's the big picture of kind of, um, of how I started. And I'm only, uh, three years in the business, uh, next year, January will be my fourth year. Um, and our team is about to close 95. We're shooting for a hundred million this year. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty exciting. And, um, I had some of the biggest deals of my career happen this year and all in a pandemic, like it's, it's insane. And so I think when, you know, in 2017, when I, when I got into it, it was like a normal year, right? Like we look back and like, Oh, could, could we be so lucky? Right. Let's, let's go back a little bit. But I think, um, that was a pivot. It was, it was a pivotal moment and it was a pivot in, I didn't want to work for the man anymore. And I, when I, when I quit my job, I remember, you know, my, the owner of my company at the time, it was still a family run company. He said to me, give me one good reason why I I should let you go. And I said, listen, you guys built this company from the ground up. If I'm going to work as hard for you as I do, I'm going to work that hard for myself and make something for myself. And that, Mm -hmm. that was just it, right. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter what it was going to be. If I'm going to put in the type of energy and, and, hours and like the work that I do for anybody, I think it should be me and and my own brand. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And it's, it's sometimes really hard to, to like have the guts to do that. Even if you're like, I know this is bad. I know, or, you know, I know I should be doing this. I know I should be doing this. Sometimes it's hard to actually like do it. (laughs) Um, so did you, did you come from a family of entrepreneurs or not at all? No, no. No, so you're I'm just like, I'm doing it. my job. And I was like, bye. And my parents and my brother were like, all right, girl, you got this. Like, we believe in you. I have a very, very supportive family. Um, super tight with my brother. He's five years younger than me. Um, my best friend, my parents are also best friend. You know, they're, they're parents first, but I can go to them with anything. And I think, you know, it was funny because I, there were days where I would call my mom crying and I would say to her, like, I, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. And she's like, if there was ever anything you're cut out for, it's this. And my brother said the same thing. My dad said the same thing, you know, every, again, it's like all these stupid little cliches, but you know, if you're working that hard and you, and you love it, you really love it to the core. And it's something that, you know, what, no matter what it is, right. I I think that it's, it's worth that. And I, I remember telling my mom, I'm not really a risk taker. She's like, what are you talking about? yes, you are. And I was like, what? And she's like, you've always just kind of done things and not really necessarily thought about it. And if you did overthink it, it was either not meant to be because you knew that's why you were overthinking it or, you know, you, you just did it and you make things work. And I think that, I think that's the key, right? Like it's, you know, I listen to, I'm sure a lot of people have listened to the podcast, how I built this with Guy Raz. Yeah. Love one him. of my favorites. Yeah. One of my favorites. And, you know, at the end of every podcast, he always asks like, how much do you attribute to luck or, you know, being in the right place at the right time or hard work. And everybody mostly says it was both. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I really think me being at the right place at the right time, living here in La Jolla, having that family friend who happened to get into real estate, there were some other things in my life that just kind of fell into place monetarily Um, and I was able to do what I was able to do. And I, again, I think, you know, and now three years in, I mean, there, there are agents that haven't really closed very many deals this year and they're struggling. And, you know, this is a tough business and it will chew you up and spit you out in a matter of seconds. But I think 
the resilience and, and the perseverance that you have for anything that you're doing. I think that that's the key. Yeah. And I think that especially with real estate, you're going and doing the different things, like you were saying, like yeah. the marketing, getting involved, all that sort of stuff. You're, you're right. basically like putting yourself out there, which can be hard for some people. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but I do think that that's kind of makes that success. Uh, yeah. one thing with the guy Raz, that question, I totally agree that it's like, it's like there's luck involved, but if you don't capitalize on that luck, if you don't like work hard towards that opportunity, then, and I don't know if it's luck or Or say yes or say yes. Right. Like if you're in the right place at the right time and you're like, Oh, you know, you just need to be, you need to come from a place of yes, a hundred percent. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, and just pursue every opportunity. Like not everyone is going to work out and doors are going to close. And especially this year. I mean, we've lost listings. I've lost clients. Um, you know, I've lost clients that I have followed up with and done everything I can do. And they decided to go with someone else or just didn't hear back from me once. And then went with someone. It was just like, wait, what? Like, I mean, it happens and you know, it, it, you just, you can't let that get you down. And I, and people will disappoint you in this life. But I think again, having the wherewithal to know that going in, no matter, again, no matter what the business is, I think, I think that's huge for sure. Yeah. And also I think 2020 has been this weird year of, it's been obviously very difficult for everybody in a way, you know, but at the same time, it has been this year of pivoting where if you were out of a job all of a sudden, or if you Mm we're forced to pivot. You're given this opportunity. Like you're saying, like, if you hear, feel this itch, like I should do real estate or I, for me, it was, I should do a podcast. I should do a podcast. And it was like, and there was always the thousands of reasons to put it off, put it off. And then finally 2020 was kind of like, look at, this is like, what's going on in the world. Do, do it or don't do it. But like, take the risk. I feel like 2020 has been an incredible year of like, take oh risks. If you fail, it's fine because like it's everybody's okay. failing right now. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and again, failing is huge. That's another really good point. Also, mm-hmm. I just want to say, I think we are going to see some amazing inventions and some crazy good products come out of this year because it happened in 2008. Yes. I mean, all of, you know, there's so many Uber Lyft, mm-hmm. like all those things were, were being born during the last recession. So we mm-hmm. we're going to see some pretty amazing stuff. I'm, I'm actually really excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I think that, you know, it's one of those things where failing, I think people are so afraid to fail. And I think, you know, I am someone who is really hard on myself too hard, really. And I know that. And I think especially this year being kind to yourself and, you know, understanding that like, we're kind of at bottom, right? Like, what do we really have to lose? Like, just try something, especially if you've lost your job or if there's that, dream that you, you, you just can't stop thinking about. Like if there ever was a year to try something, it would be this year. Yeah, I agree. And that's something I really loved about, I was reading a little bit about you and you were talking about failing and that's something I talk about often because I think it's super important to, to make very transparent that, Hey, we're not all perfect. Even if you look at someone that's at the tip top, they're not necessarily, you know, they didn't get there because they didn't fail. They took risks, which means you fail. And so I loved that you talk about that. So can you discuss like how failing has maybe served you? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what it does for me is if nothing else, it shows me that I tried it. Right. And it, it shows me that I had the guts to kind of, to, to try something, to do something, whether that's, 
going on a really big listing and then not getting a listing appointment or whatever it is, right? Starting this business. I mean, listen, they say that 90% of the agents make, I'm sorry, 10% of the agents make 90% of the money. Do you know how many real estate agents there are out there? Yeah, that's a lot. Crazy. It's a crazy statistic. And I literally told myself, you're not going to be one of those statistics. Like you're not, you are going to fall into that 10% category. And I think, and listen, had I, here was the other thing I told myself. Yes. I'm saying there's no plan A. There's only, or there's no plan B. There's only plan A. Right. But had I gone a year, year and a half into this and looked back and thought, okay, I'm running out of life savings. I don't like what I'm doing. I absolutely hate this. I would have done something else. I would have gone back to work or worked for someone or said, okay, what's, what, what else do I love? Because I too really love architecture and design. And I've often kind of thought maybe I should you know, get into that realm a little bit. And that might come later, right? Like I, I think mm-hmm. you can always reinvent yourself. I don't think you ever have to do something your entire life. I think that we can do a bunch of things, right? And some of the most successful people, how many businesses do they have over their lifetime? How many have they opened and gone bankrupt and failed? I mean, I think that the true entrepreneurial spirit really, it, it, it's scary. But I think when you see, for me anyway, when I see something and I'm like, well, okay, that didn't go that well, or what, what went well this month, what didn't go this month, whether it was marketing or social media posts, or, you know, even looking down the minute, like, okay, I got like 12 likes, like how embarrassing, but at least I put it out there. You know what I mean? And so I think that, I think that's what it does for me is like, okay, try, try again. And I, and I know that that's not everybody's personality. And there are days where I don't feel that way, but at the spirit of it, I think I think that you really have to kind of allow yourself as they say to fail forward, because if you're not failing, you're not trying and you're just kind of stuck in, in the mundane, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're in like a safe space, but you're not yeah, ever not moving forward. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So in architecture, we're primarily a male dominated field. And yep. that's like been the case forever in construction. When you go to the, the construction site, that's just the way it is. Is that, yep the same in real estate too? It's not actually. So most people think that, um, but NAR did a statistic and I knew I should have looked up some statistics. <laughs> no worries. We can all, you can always but, send it to me and I can add it in the show notes. Yeah, no, we definitely should. So it's like real estate agents make up like 60 or 65% women. And so, you know, yes, there are males. And I think that, you know, here in La Jolla specifically, right. There are some top agents, but it's kind of 50, 50. And thank you for bringing this up. Cause that was something else I wanted to touch on. In life, whether no matter what industry you're in for women, historically, there's been that glass ceiling, right? Not equal pay. Like there's always been this fight that we're just constantly, constantly, constantly striving for. That was something else that I really loved. And I think I wrote about this in one of those articles I sent you is that for me, there was no glass ceiling in real estate because I can make the same exact commission that my male counterpart makes and probably, you know, maybe do a better job than some of them. Right. So (laughs) I think that like, no, no offense to anyone out there listening, but you know what I mean? Um, I think that like, it's one of those things that it, it, that also really intrigued me when I started realizing and doing some research that like, okay, how does commission work? And you know, it's always negotiable, right. But a client can negotiate, they're going to negotiate with any agent. doesn't matter your gender. And so that was something that, that really intrigued me. And I think, even in real estate in general, when you're self-employed, the sky's the limit and no one is telling you what to do. Now, the double-edged sword to that is that you're working 24 seven, probably most of the time. And there's not a lot of time to unplug. But again, going back to, if you love it, 
it's worth it. And so that was something that was really big to me was that I didn't feel like there was a cap. I couldn't only come to here or I'd be the only woman CEO for, you know, in this fortune five company, 500 company of anybody, right? Like no one has ever made that. And then you're treated differently. And then are you invited to golf and are you going to meetings? And like, that was always something coming from the corporate world that I had even dealt with briefly. And you know, it's like the good old boys club. And unfortunately, a lot of places are like that. And I think that architecture, I've been on many job sites and it is mostly men, but you know, the tides are changing. So Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, who runs the world, right? So I think that that's exciting for me. And I think same with design, you know, and maybe even in design, maybe men can argue like it's mostly women are doing design, mostly men. But I think that that blend that's happening and especially with real estate agents and things like that, I mean, that's to me is super exciting. Yeah, you're right. And that's even with, um, that's a good point because even interior design, I'm seeing more men being like kind of the, we call them star architects for architects, but whatever they are yeah. for interior designers, yeah. kind of like the top interior designers. And so yeah. it is nice to see just like a meld, like there's not one or the other, like one, you know, men are for architecture, women are for design. It's like- yeah both. So that's yep. nice that you're, you don't feel that. I don't. And I mean, I'll say like, you know, uh, Brett being my partner, it's what's really cool that I, we talk about this all the time is that when we go on listing appointments, it's really nice because there's one of each of us. Right. And so I think the client is like, Oh, like they each bring something different to the table. Right. I, not because I'm a woman, just my community, my, my nature is to be very communicative. Right. And I went to school for marketing communication. So I like to over communicate. I like details. I like lists. I like to follow up and that's not his strength. And he'll say that it has nothing to do with him being a male or whatever. It's just not his strength. Right. And so that's, what's so nice is that we complement each other in that way. And I think that clients like that. And I think that they like to see a woman's perspective and, you know, um, Again, it's just, it's one of those industries that people think that it's mostly male dominated, but it's not. And Mm -hmm. so to me, that was also one of the most exciting things. And I found that out after I always knew being hundred percent commissioned, my paycheck and all of that stuff was, was, you know, depending on how much I did and how hard I worked and, you know, whatever. But again, it's, I'm, I'm getting paid the same commission that they would pay any agent Mm -hmm. depending on what they negotiate. So that's, that's cool. So nice. Yeah. It's that so makes nice. it really nice. So yeah. you have a background in marketing. That's like where you came mm-hmm. from. So how does that switch over to real estate? How, how do you get oh. new clients? Do they come to you? Do you reach out to yeah. them? How does that work? Both. So, you know, in the very beginning, um, just for anyone curious out there listening, I did a lot of open houses. I am not, um, authenticity to me is huge. And I think what you can see from right now already, what you see is what you get. I'm going to really try not to cuss also on this podcast. I don't oh, know who's it's fine. If, if okay. <laughs> I, okay. And one of my first, sorry to interrupt, but one of my yeah. first episodes, I think I said like shit and I was like, can I cuss? And I'm like, oh wait, it's my podcast. Oh, wait, it's I my podcast. I, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. I usually talk no about bums. So I'm like really trying to curb that, you know, anyway. Um, but yeah, I think, wait, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about marketing and you oh, coming yes, yes, from yes, marketing. You. Yes, yes, yes. So it's, it's very interesting. It actually melds really well together. So the deal is, is that, you know, in order for clients to notice you and to, and to know who you are, you have to market yourself, right? As a full-time agent, you do not necessarily have the time for that. Like you just don't, but that's why that's another reason I joined a team because again, I knew that I couldn't afford the overhead, but I wanted to be successful and learn the ropes. And I wanted to learn them the right way when it came to marketing 
you know, just documents, like how to deal with clients, negotiation, all of that stuff. Right. And so when I first started, I was doing a lot of open houses and our team, the team I joined had, I mean, gosh, he had 22 listings when I joined him. I mean, we still have like 18 or something now. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, and so I was doing open houses every weekend, sometimes two a days, which is ridiculous. And it's laughable now because everyone's like, Jesus, like just you're working yourself to the bone. But I was because I just knew, you know, you might only get one person that day that was a client, but I mean, I'm still working with clients from two years ago who have still not bought anything because life happened or whatever, but I stay in touch with them. Girl, this is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And for anyone who needs, and I actually need, like when I buy stuff, like I want it here now, right? Like I need that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Real estate is teaching me to be patient. I don't really know how well that's working, but it's, if nothing else, it's like really classic that this is what I'm doing. And it's like a long game, but yeah, I mean, you, you have to kind of market yourself and put yourself out there and it's tough. I mean, I'm not introverted. Um, you know, sometimes I can retreat a little bit, but I, I don't mind talking to people. I don't mind doing open houses. I don't mind, you know, talking on a video on email blast or whatever it is. Right. And so having a background, knowing that social is important, that email blasts are free and that's a great way to market yourself. Um, just doing, you know, little touches like, you know, every open house you make fresh baked cookies or whatever it is, right? Like all those little things kind of add up. And so it it was a, it was a big deal. Like I, I knew I needed an email blast platform, you know, so coming from the corporate side, I knew essentially how I almost needed to start running my business or like knew that there was a piece to that where some people, you know, they just think they're going to sell, but that's the hard part, right? You're either a really good salesperson or you're a really good business person. And you kind of have to be both here or you hire the team to do that for you. So having that experience in the past has definitely helped whether I'm talking with our marketing director now about ideas on email blast, or maybe we do some sort of campaign of like, you know, and I, I will say I've really backed off of that kind of stuff this year just to be very, you know, I want to be sensitive to like, obviously mm-hmm. what's going on. And it's not like, hi, want to sell or buy? Like, come on, get yeah. real. So I think that when you're putting those marketing pieces out there too, whether it be video, a commercial, um, a live Facebook feed, or just a story when you're walking through a house, like being funny and like stumbling over your words and like being authentic and real is, is the biggest piece of advice I can say to someone because people see through that and they Mm -hmm. see that, you know, you're just like trying to get them to buy from you and people don't want to be sold, but they do want to buy and they want to buy with friends. And I think that's what I'm trying to build my business on is, is they're not just clients. Like I want these people to be friends and I want them to come to me if they have questions. I mean, I have clients that call me all the time. They're like, Hey, I'm going to put solar on my house. Do you know any, you know, you want to be that resource for them. It's not just like, bye. And there's this, there's also another statistic out there that like 90% of clients never hear from their agent again. What kind of of marketing is that? Mm -hmm. What are you saying about yourself? You know? So I think it's not even just what people think of marketing as like an email blast or a social post or, or commercial or, or whatever it is. Right. But it's, it's engaging and it's also being with your people and you want to check in on them and you want them to do well. And so all of that comes into play. And again, authenticity is huge. Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. 
So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, back to the episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And being yourself. And I, like you said, like someone that they can relate to so that they want to buy from them. So 2020 is obviously a weird year and we've been talking about that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. with real estate, the market's been pretty crazy still, which on fire is, yeah, it's kind of mind blowing. Um, so I wanted to dive into like a a quick little bit about like that. So like what do you find homeowners are looking for right now? Or is, are there any trends that you for see? Sure. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> I work with buyers and sellers across the board from $200,000 studios that I just sold one at the end of last year I, to $12 million homes, right? Like it's, it's really runs the gamut with me and my team. Um, it, what I'm seeing, first of all, really quickly to touch on the market this year, the reason why we have been seeing people are just like blown away that the real estate market is as hot as it is and that, you know, we're doing the things that we're doing, but it's, I think COVID and this is, I'm sure you've heard other people say this too, but this is really my belief is that people are stuck at home and they're redefining it redefines what home means to them. And if they were already in the marketplace, they're like, I got to get out of this studio apartment. I can't handle this. Like interest rates are low. Now prices may be a little bit inflated, you know, depending on the market and micro market and whatever, but it's a good time to buy and sell because prices are low and, you know, but the other issue, I'm sorry, interest rates are low. Prices are where they've always been. Um, but we have really low inventory. So it's been a little more challenging, especially for those first time home buyers and to, to go into what they're looking for. Um, the trends that I'm seeing are still mostly like they want it redone. They want the gray and white palette, you know, and it depends on the buyer, right? Some buyers are like, no, man, I have a buyer who's looking in PB. Gosh, we've been looking for better part of a year. Cause he's really looking for something very specific and it's hard to find, but he is like the uglier, the better. I, mm-hmm. he feels like he'll get the best value mm-hmm. if it needs to be completely redone. Whereas if it's been completely redone for him, he feels like it's either lipstick on a pig mm-hmm. or it's one of those things where he was like, no, because now they've inflated the price because they redid everything. And I don't want to pay that price. So I'm the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, I, yeah. I'm looking to purchase early next year and I, um, I want it ugly. I want to be able to do what, and just because I have very specific taste and I don't want to rip out countertops that they just spent three grand mm-hmm. putting in because they're ugly, you know? So most of the buyers who aren't like us, who don't have very specific taste with architecture and design and things like that, They are really looking for still, I'm seeing white walls, some of that gray taupey palette. Um, And I think the other thing too, that's a little easier, right? Like if you're not someone who, I have so many friends that are like, your apartment looks so nice and I I don't know how you do this. And 
I'm like, what do you mean? But I love it. So I'm, I'm always on blogs. I'm always looking at magazines. I I'm on architecture digest all the time. Like, you know, things like that, when you're immersed in it all the time, I think, or you love, and that's something you love. It's easier for the average buyer who just wants a nice place to live. They want the white walls because they're like, Ooh, I could paint this wall, this color. I, we could, my bed, my furniture will look good in here, that kind of thing. So buyers are definitely still, uh, wanting kind of that coastal, especially here, right? Like they want that white gray taupe. Um, and it's easier for them. And, and I get that. The other thing that I'm seeing <clears throat> is, um, some buyers, not all, um, especially being, I'm, I've been this year, I've been more of a listing agent than I have been a buyer's agent, um, is that buyers want all of it, right? They have like this little checklist and they're like, no, no, no. Yes, 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 yes. No, I don't want it. And it's like, because it had two no's, you know, so sometimes trying to, have people understand that unless money is no object, which there are some buyers out there where money is no object, but unless money is no object, you got to give a little, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're not going to get everything you want the first time around, whether that's two parking spots or a garage or, you know, whatever it may be. Like the bathroom isn't redone, but the kitchen is gorgeous. You know, you'll have to redo the bathroom or you're going to have to rip out floors and do new paint, but that's cosmetic. So sometimes it's hard getting across to, to some first time home buyers that, you're not going to get everything you want, but this is such a great location and it's a really good buy and here's why. And I think it takes a good agent to be able to explain that to them, whether it's the investment, the location, uh, you know, whatever it is. Right. I mean, there's all, there's so many different variables that go into that. Yeah. I can imagine that (laughs) if you don't, if you, if, if you have a hard time visual visualizing what can be done, like I'll walk into a space. Well, obviously I'm an architect, but (laughs) I can walk into a space and I'm, and I can all of a sudden like envision the entire floor plan of how it can be or how we can expand in 10 years or, you and know, that's that a gift. Sort of thing. No one has right. that. Right. I mean, it's only <laughs> our mean, type of brains that unless they're a creative person, right. The right. other thing we have is like Sotheby's or different brokerages. We have a couple apps and tools where you can virtually stage. So you can walk into, if it's a vacant house, you can literally like hold your phone up and say, Hey, here's what it would look like with furniture. Wow. Or tell them, Hey, this from what I sounds like, this doesn't sound load bearing. Let's find out from a contractor. Cause I'm not a contractor, but I know enough to know if you took this wall down, you could add an Island here, you know, and they're like, Oh, like, so you do, I think it's important for agents to, and that takes experience and that takes time. If you're just an agent and you're not looking to be an architect or a designer or whatever, I happen to love that stuff. And so I'm always researching. And whenever we're on job sites with contractors, I'm like, tell me more. Was this load bearing? Why was this, what is that called? Like, I want to know so that I can talk to my clients about that stuff. Right. So, um, I think that's helpful. And I think, again, it just takes experience and it takes time and, you know, but buyers again, for the most part are really wanting stuff that is mostly turnkey. Cause it's also kind of a bitch to have to go through and redo stuff, you know? Well, yeah. And you're going through the whole process of moving. And then if yeah. you're redoing stuff, you're having to figure out where you're going to stay while you're redoing stuff. Or so it is construction. And I have yeah. some clients that are like, my wife will kill me if I have to live through another remodel. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I totally get mm -hmm. that too. I, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of value in that. And some people are just like, I don't want to take the time busy enough. Right. So totally. Yep. Yeah. Well, I love this. Thank you, Stephanie. So when you are not working on your business, which I'm sure it's like 24 seven, but when you're not, what do you enjoy doing? So I actually just moved. I used to live in Wind and Sea here in La Jolla and I just moved down to the shores two weeks before we went under lockdown. Yeah. And I'm a block from the water. So I have to say when I lived in Windensee, I didn't go to the beaches often as I would have liked. 
Um, but I have been going at least once a week to walk or do whatever during initial part of lockdown, I was going every day. So, you know, it's, it's been really great. I love, you know, getting out and, you know, I'm really starting to miss my friends. And so now we're kind of like, Hey, let's go meet for at the beach and like, you know, sit six feet apart or whatever we can do. Right. Because I, I need that. So lately it's kind of been trying to get back to basics and normal a little bit and see some friends and family from a distance. If I can, um, I'm getting a puppy, uh, early next Congratulations. year. So excited. <laughs> yes. What kind? Uh, it's a Cavapoo. So she, she or he will be a Cavalier King Charles and a poodle mix. Basically it looks like a freaking teddy bear and oh I will God. send you photos and <laughs> please, I already have names picked out. If it's a girl, we're going to name her Gwendolyn and call her Gwenny. And if it's a boy, Kevin, cause I think that's hilarious. So I love it. maybe early next year, you know, they can join us for the podcast. Yes. I love that. That's so fun. Okay. So where can people find you and support you? And if anyone needs a realtor or, or even if someone like wants to become a realtor, yeah. So my, my Instagram handle is, um, at Stephanie Zalowski. Um, and so we can kind of put that like in the comments and if anyone yeah. wants to shoot me an email or get in touch, my email is Stephanie at Stephanie Perfect. I have a website yeah. too, Stephanie, De- Stephanie So that's easy. Perfect. Too. Easy. It's so yeah. nice when it can be easy yeah. and like it's everywhere. Yes. So I'll put it all in the show notes and perfect. Awesome. Thank you Thank so much. You I really so appreciate much. it. Yeah, it was I wonderful connecting. All yeah. Right. And, uh, we may have you on again, later once uh, oh, the please, market changes or something and we'll yes <laughs> awesome Perfect. thank, thank you, you Bryn. Bye. bye thank you all so much i really hope you enjoyed that lovely talk with stephanie she was i loved all the different things she's saying her you know not fear of failing which i love to talk about all the time like you have to take risks and with those risks take you know failing. And sometimes it can be kind of an ego bust, but usually it gets you to that next level. So I hope that you really enjoyed that. Definitely subscribe and let me know in the comments what you took away from it. And I will make sure to link all Stephanie's information so you can find more about her. Don't forget to follow me at Beyond Design on Instagram and subscribe to the podcast over wherever you get your podcasts. And leave a little review if you feel so inclined. All right, guys, see you next week. Bye.